I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey, Rebel Radio is brought to you by LinkedIn. If you're building a business, if you got your own thing, you're working somewhere, whatever you're up to, you know it's all about people. Hiring the right person makes a huge difference in your business. I've hired the most amazing people, the most wrong people, I can tell you. Uh, just what a difference it makes. I'm, I'm hiring a, a new designer, and I, I put a post up on, on some of the job boards. I'm not going to name which ones, but I got to tell you, I got like 200 resumes, mostly um, just completely wrong for what I needed. In fact, there was only two people out of 200 that I even wanted to talk to, much less hire. So I switched to LinkedIn uh, to post my job. I'm getting a much better quality of applications. This just that's where people go. You know, 70% of the U.S. is on LinkedIn. Wor working people, maybe not to kids, uh, but if you have a job, if you if you uh, if you work, you're on LinkedIn every day. You're networking. You're using it to grow. You're using it to find new opportunities. It's just a much better place to to find people to hire for your business. Hurry over to LinkedIn.com/rebel. I'm going to give you $50 off your first job post just because I love you for listening to Rebel Radio. That's linkedin.com slash rebel. Save 50 bucks off a job post. linkedin.com slash rebel. Terms and conditions apply. Yo, this is Sham Sakpase, and I'm on Rebel Radio. Hey, man, fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels that are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. And check it out, we're back in the studio this week with my man, Sac Passe. Uh, you might have seen that we were on the road. The last three episodes were brought to you live from the 
Collision Conference out in New Orleans. Uh, if you uh, haven't, go back and check those out. But we're back in our home studio now. Zach Presse is an amazing record producer. He's got six Grammy nominations. He's worked with Kanye and Jay-Z on the Watch the Throne album. Produced for Rihanna, T.I., Buster Rhymes. The list goes on and on. My man is super talented and uh, has some great stories to tell. He's got an amazing one about meeting uh, a label owner in a chat room and how that really kickstarted his career and uh, gave us a little insight into what it's like behind the scenes at the Def Jam writing camp, songwriting camp. Um, what else? He gets into the importance of face-to-face collaboration. You know, more and more it's happening virtually and uh, he gives us a, a really interesting perspective on, on the flip side of that and, and why it's important to get in the room with people. Uh, lots of great stories coming up from Sac Passe right after the EDM.com track of the week. EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out more new music. And now let's get into it with Sac Passe. Yeah, let's talk about all that stuff. Awesome. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. Absolutely. I'm excited. We just we just met, you know, recently and um, and you know, learning all about you and uh, all the stuff you're involved in, which seems like a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to dig into it. Uh, t- t- let's talk about how you got started, though. Sure. Well, uh, I got started. Um, Actually, let me ask you this. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? The first record I ever bought was Junior Mafia CD. And it was a single. Players anthem. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was A and B inside. Grab your dick if you love hip-hop Rub your titties if you love big pop But gotcha, open off the words I say because now, who smoke more blunts than a little bit? What did you, an idiot? Listen to the lyrics I spit like M1s Got mad guns up in the cabin Cause these ain't the one I had to sneak it into the house Cause my uh-huh. parents weren't really into rap too much Right, what were so, they into? I mean, church stuff, just uh-huh. Or like, you know, Stevie Wonder, you know, um, I'm Haitian, so a lot of Zouk and Compa kind of influence songs, or Julio yeah. Iglesias, like, yeah. just not rap. Right. It was like super anti-rap. Right. 
especially like since Uncle Luke is in the area, uh-huh. so they associated all rap music with Uncle Luke, of course. right? And so yeah, that was that was the first. I remember telling my parents that I was listening to like like Stevie Wonder records when I was actually listening to Junior Mafia. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was the first. So you're like a day. secret rap fan. Yeah. Okay. I had to keep it on the low. But you were playing music in church, right? Yeah. That- I was yeah, I was I, I grew up, you know, playing in like the church band, played like the keyboard and a little bit of the bass. Okay. And so it was almost like I didn't realize I was actually develop developing um like, you know, these these kind of um these kind of the environment mm-hmm. of making music was starting to happen before I understood what you know a recording the recording business was or sure. the record industry was. Sure. And then the Fugees came out, uh-huh. and since they were Haitian, yeah, it was yeah. like, sure, you can listen to to this. But I just started. Oh, your parents were cool with it. Yeah, they were cool with only right. because they were Haitian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that ended up listening to a whole bunch of Mob Deep, Boot Camp, Click. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just my musical interest started to grow and started listening to everything from like Rough Riders to Maya to um, whatever was out at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's when the appetite for music started to really flourish and grow. And then when did, outside of church, when did you start making music? Like what was your introduction to that? I was in, to keep, my, to keep me out of trouble, mm-hmm. My kid, uh, my parents signed me up for keyboard classes. Nice. And then one of the requirements was that you had to buy a keyboard and this drum machine, uh-huh. right? And so, which one? It was like a Yamaha D DR DX something. Okay. You you had to sequence everything on a floppy disk. Mm-hmm. And so, you you have these piano classes, but then I ended up just trying to make beats and I didn't realize I didn't even right. know what I was doing for real I was just yeah. just like oh I can play chords and then record them and do drums and record them mm-hmm. but I was the only one who's hearing the music so right and uh yeah that was that was like that was the start of me actually now producing songs because sure. I was playing in a band right but I wasn't really producing records or music or beats and then now I have this drum drum machine and now I'm actually making records now so and then beats. and then how'd you how'd that go to like making a you know a beat for somebody? So when I was in when I was in middle school, um, two friends of mine they had they were rapping locally, and um, I just played there. I told them like, hey, this is kind of cool. I'm going to play this on the morning, like, news, like, school news. Oh, yeah. And then I played it on the fade-out of the morning school news, and then all of a sudden, by lunchtime, they were, like, the most poppinest group. That's crazy. So that was the first, like, record-breaking moment. But Uh then I started to realize that I had a huge interest in actually making the music. So at the time, no one really liked my beats because they weren't really that good. Right. Right. So But you're saying no one like you're talking about at school. Yes, yeah. Like it, in the neighborhood. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. it was I was making like beats that kind of were they just weren't developed. I just right. didn't understand how to make music for sure. real. I was just yeah. piling on things. Then I went to Michigan State and my roommate at the time was like, yo, let's write a song. 
And uh, we wrote the song and that was, that was it. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, yo, let's go to a recording studio. And then we went to a recording studio in Detroit and we actually recorded the song. And that same weekend I told, told my mom I was dropping out of college. Just from recording that song? That one, yeah, it was like, it was, it was crazy because it was my first time ever in a recording studio. And I remember coming in and after about 20 or 30 minutes, the engineer was like, yo, have you been in a recording studio before? And I was like, no. He was like, man, you seem like this is, this, you seem really natural. Like this seems very comfortable for you. Yeah. And that was all I needed, he needed to know. Yeah. Like I was in, in front of the console, kind of giving directions as to how the song should be performed. And what was it, do you think, that, that clicked? Man, I honestly, I, I don't know. Mm. I, it was, um, it was just this feeling of, of, of not needing to, not having to explain um, the ideas that I always had. I, mm. I guess I've always been interpreting things in a certain way and then essentially producing ideas in my head, whether it be, right. whether it be like, you know, marketing plans or, um, or like if I seen a, a cereal box, I would just be like, man, if, if I did it, I would have done it like this. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. once I got into a recording studio, understanding it was like this meeting place of I was part of making a song sure. and then I had an idea of how it should be executed and now I was in the environment where I can actually facilitate all of those things that I naturally had these urges to do anyway. Yeah. So it was, it just, I don't know, it was, I always say like, I, I really believe that's when music kind of tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, you should do this. Because mm. I stopped growing and I couldn't play basketball anymore. And <laughs> the tracks on a baseball field, like, I wasn't, you know, it's yeah. too hot. So yeah. it was like, this was it. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting because I think as a producer, <clears throat> there's not just the, the musical talent, but there's the, the technical side of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, what you're talking about is a, like the it's so much about technique to bring these ideas to life. Right. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just I, I'm always fascinated by that. Yeah. It's 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 just a whole nother. It's like it's a whole nother language mm. that you you just end up developing the techniques and, and the, the most effective ways to just get get your ideas from from your head to your ears sure and um, for me whenever I create something it always I'm always I'm, it's almost like I'm working backwards because I hear the finished product and mm. I see the finished product in my head and then it's like how do you get there how do I get there Wow and then you either you know now I'm starting to understand um, the most efficient way is just to you know, outsource the different talents or skill sets of other people to sometimes help you achieve that. You mm -hmm. know, instead of me spending two hours on trying to get a, a guitar progression down, call up someone who knows how to play the guitar, and now it's just mm -hmm. a matter of me just right. getting the phrasing together. Sure. And and that's what I'm I'm starting to um, starting to get a lot better at. You're talking about the recording studio, and I remember when we spoke on the phone, we talked about it too. What is it like? 
obviously with technology now, you can make a song anywhere. Right. Right. You, people record in their bedrooms. You could probably go to Starbucks and make a beat, right? right. Like, um, but but there's something special about being in the studio with other people. That's like a room that's just built for this purpose. Mm -hmm. what, what is that? Because I know when you moved out here, you built the studio. It was the yeah. first thing, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's community, man. I, I believe in the idea that we weren't designed to be alone. Mm. Um, and I, I just believe that when you're in a recording studio, four walls, it's it's the most focused, intimate moment between that you can share with two people because yeah. for the most part there aren't that many outside influences or distractions that that um that should be happening anyway like mm -hmm. you shouldn't bring a lot of the outside distractions into the room but i right. do feel that because there's just four walls and and um you're going you're al it's already a creative environment i think people seem to become a lot more comfortable mm -hmm. and a lot more open to sharing ideas or just expressing themselves. Yeah. And I feel like the more, you know, the more people or the more opportunities you allow the expression and um, to like manifest itself, the just the energy that comes out of it is just like, I mean, it's it's just endless like opportunities to develop new ideas so how how is it different um i know you work on i, I want to get to this part of all the amazing artists that you're working with um but uh you know my understanding is that sometimes you're you're making beats on your own right and then you come in with a you know you send you know send a beat pack to A and R, right. and it gets to the artist, and and I imagine, thank you. I imagine sometimes you never even meet each other. Oh yeah, that happens um, all the time. That happens all the time, right? Yeah. Um, and that's a very different process than what you're describing. Of you're sitting in the room, creating. Yeah, that's actually the hardest for me. That's the hardest process to have to. To you know to kind of um, deal with, because. Me personally, I find that my best work um, happens, you know, um, amongst different people. Even if it's yeah. just someone in the room who's just, we're just talking about the game, or sure. I don't know. There's just there's just a certain kind of energy that that happens, as opposed to when I'm just in a room by myself. You know, yeah. not saying that, um, you know, I don't create amazing ideas by myself mm -hmm. but I find that there's um, I feel like music is never it, there's always um, input and output as it relates to music right so I have an idea I output it uh -huh. I send it to someone and it's almost like a circuit that hasn't been connected because once you send it to just you just send it and then there's you don't really know yeah how the person the person's day you know yeah. what 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 are they into today do they have a great day do they have a, a bad day like you just never really understand the the space that the you know mm -hmm. the, the receiver is mm -hmm. in of course you know so i mean it's so that's so interesting you know I, I was talking to a friend recently about the idea of 
there's a difference. We're talking about A&R and making music and all that, right? And there's a difference between someone who loves music versus loving the way that what music does to people. Right. And I think, you know, you don't get that until you're in the room with them. 100%. And having that kind of real time. So, so talk about that. So, so you've produced for Jay and Kanye, Rihanna, Busta Rhymes, Ashanti. I know yeah. there's a big list. Yeah. Uh, you'll tell us some others. But um, when were you in the room with those guys? Or so, which ones? So I was never... Um, the man, the Rihanna song that I that, that I did, Man, man Down. Down. Yeah. So that was during a writing camp. And. Def Jam at the time they flew in like they flew in every writer mm. producer that you could think of. It was, yeah, everyone was was either on the plane going, or by the time I got there, they were they were getting rental cars. Everybody uh -huh. that I met in in like yeah, in a in in a day was basically working on this project. I didn't even know they did that. Oh man, it was like every studio in LA at the time was was working or booked for this loud album yeah and um and so that that situation it was kind of it was it was the first time any i was ever in like a writing camp mm -hmm. but i remember being in the studio and hearing like at the time like four on the floor was like dance music was was huge right. and i just felt like that's what everybody was doing sure. and it was frustrating because i don't i don't naturally do dance music yeah. you know and so I remember saying to myself, like, what is it that I do well? What do I respond to? And for me, whenever I make music, I, I always have to envision how it's performed. And so I just asked myself, if I was at a Rihanna concert, what would I want to hear from her? Mm. And it was, it was, you know, this kind of one-drop reggae influence. And, um, and then, you know, luckily I was paired with with some writers who who rock city there they come from the caribbean so mm -hmm. it was the most effortless kind of um composition to make nice and and i had accepted that regardless of whether or not she liked it it made me feel a way mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and sometimes you know you know you kind of i've learned now to separate when people are requesting my talent and gift or my skill set, right? Sometimes okay. someone wants you to just come in and produce this record and write this kind of song for this artist. Sure. And you can kind of you could kind of figure out the math and say like they like this structure, this structure, and this structure. But then there are times where it's like, hey, we want you to kind of just paint and yeah. create something. Yeah. And that's how that record in my opinion, got to where it got. And, and then um, with, with Jay and Kanye on Watch the Throne, I had, um, you know, it was like, hey, Jay-Z and Kanye West are looking for music, right? So it's like, okay, you don't even really know where to start. Like, in all honesty, you just, right. you just don't know, right? And so I remember I had friends who were making like, 
literally like 15 beats a day. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, frustration and exhaustion was started to just, um, like you can just see it because they didn't know, it was like they were just shooting mm -hmm. with no aim. Yeah, of course. But um, what I did was I just sat down and thought to myself, like, what does that stage look like? Mm. Like, these are two pillars in, 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 in rap music, mm -hmm. right? So whatever that has to, whatever it is, it has to sound like, like the biggest stage. Like, it has to look like Woodstock. Like, all I can envision is like 40,000 people, 50,000 people and then performing like at the O2 Arena or something mm -hmm. like that. And so mm -hmm. I went and just started listening to a bunch of Queen records. And at the time, Napster was out, and I just told a friend of mine, I was like, yo, like download every Queen album yeah. that you can find. Wow. And I just went and started listening to Queen for like six weeks. Mm. And then one day, I, you know, I called um, uh, my friend Dave, I was like, oh, yo, I'm ready to go to the studio to work on, on this. And I literally went to the studio. I called Verse. I was like, yo, I'm ready. I have an idea. Mind you, at the time, my manager's like, man, you're kind of blowing an opportunity. Why haven't you sent anything? Like, right. you haven't done anything. Yeah. And we went to the studio, and, that's, and I started working on Who Gonna Stop Me. And we only, it was only like an eight-bar hook, no, eight-bar intro, eight-bar verse, eight-bar hook. Because at that time, I felt like if they don't like this, then mm -hmm. it's pointless yeah, for me Yeah, why finish it? Yeah. And so Verse went in and did the hook, and we sent it, and they loved it. This is something like the And then I got flown up to New York to work on some some other records. So yeah. I felt like um, I mean that's a great song. Yeah, it's and, and you know the craziest thing is and I, and I, and I don't know if I hear the Queen influence, but it, but like that doesn't matter. Like well, that's what got you there. So in the original, like the actual version that I sent, there yeah. was a Queen sample okay. that yeah. set up like it set up like the aesthetic to mm -hmm. me. It gave it this huge grandeur mm -hmm. and. Um, and like, it just felt like a song that should be performed either like first or second. And then when I went on the tour, it was the second song that they performed. And mm -hmm. it was so crazy that the vision that I had in my head actually came to fruition and it was the second song that they performed. Yeah. And then um, since then, um, worked on Yeezus. And yeah. I just feel like, man, when you're in the room, you're not guessing. Mm -hmm. You you can see the mannerisms. You can see the the kind of right. things that that um, trigger yeah. a smile or a frown or you know whenever I'm in the room with an artist, I'm I'm always asking them like, hey, are you still with me? Because I you know I don't have an ego. If you don't like it, sure. I want you to just say, hey, I don't I don't really like it anymore. And if if it yeah. takes four times to get it, then it takes four times. I feel like anytime I'm in a recording studio, it's an opportunity to get a better understanding of how to communicate with people. For me, it's, it's just important to make sure that everyone in the room is on the same frequency. Yeah. I feel like that's the most important thing. Sure. Sometimes you get in the studio and you write a song and it's it. 
Sometimes you might be in there for four time, four mm -hmm. days, and mm -hmm. it's not it. But as as long as people feel excited about working and creating yeah. with me, I feel like the opportunity will always present itself to to write the song that connects with everybody. Yeah. You know? So let's jump back for a second, cause you uh, you were just dropping out of school. Yeah. And and now you're you're messing well, with yeah. Kanye. Yeah. And, and so, um, what was the first break? So, after I dropped out of Michigan State, I went to Full Sail mm -hmm. to learn the recording studio. Yeah, in Florida. Yeah. I felt like if I want to get an opportunity, um, then I have to know how to use everything in the studio. And was at Full Sail. I was always looking for local people. But then um, once you graduate, it's like, okay, now you got to figure it out. Um, what ended up happening was one of my good friends was in a Yahoo chat room. Okay. And someone in the chat room was like, hey, uh, I'm looking for producers to start a, a, a record label. And this person was based in Orange County, mm. uh, California. And so he basically was like, yeah, my friend produces. And he calls, Seeds calls me up and is like, hey, yo, there's this guy in Yahoo chat and he wants to start a label. And at the time, You're like, what are you doing in the chat? Yeah, room? it's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> but back then people used to battle in the chat. Yeah, rooms. yeah, yeah, that's right. And so he's like, yeah, and I was like, yo, bro, don't don't send him any of my beats because, right. you know, at the time, like, pr producers back then were super precious about everything. It's like someone's gonna steal my beat right. and blase blase. And I was like, yo, don't send him any of my beats. And he's like, okay, cool. But he had already sent him like. <laughs> all the beats you know <laughs> and so so then I leave the mall because we were you know a bunch of us were out and I go head back to you know Caesar's garage which was like our makeshift like that's the record label that's mm -hmm. where we're starting everything and he's like yeah so I send him your beats and he likes them and he wants to hop on the call nice and so I'm like okay and then this dude um, named Mike he calls up, he's like, hey, man, I heard the beats, they sound dope, I want to start a record label, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. He was like, no, this, this is for real, this is as real as the Ferrari in my driveway. And I'm like, bro, man, I'm gonna be honest with you, it ain't my Ferrari, so I really don't care, That's right. right? And so he's like, no, I just want to let you know, like, this is it's a real thing for me. So I'm like, okay, whatever, and you know, I. I was working at AT&T at the time, so mm -hmm. Monday morning, I'm back at AT&T. And I guess him and, and C's kept speaking over the weekend. By Tuesday, C's calls me up while I'm at AT&T. He's like, yo, the dude, Mike, we call him MJ now. Yo, MJ just, uh, he just bought you a keyboard. And it was a Triton keyboard. Mm. And it's like, at the time, it's like three grand. It's what Neptunes use. It's like... Yeah the holy grail of every producer. Yeah. I'm like, he did what? He's like, yeah, man. So when you leave work, we're gonna go pick up this, this keyboard. So we go pick up the keyboard and I'm bugging. Cause I'm like, yo, I've never met this dude and he just <laughs> bought a keyboard. Right. And so take the keyboard back to Caesars, uh, to, you know, to the makeshift uh, headquarters. <laughs> and I'm still tripping and the MJ's like, yo, man, you know, is." I took a risk, it was like three grand, but you know, to me this is in good faith because I really want to build a record company. Mm. So that was Tuesday, Yeah. right? 
on Friday, he calls us. He's like, hey, what are you guys doing tomorrow? And we're like, you know, the same thing. You know, mm -hmm. making beat CDs, trying to, you know, get local rappers to buy them. He's like, you guys want to come out to L.A.? And I'm like, yeah, right, sure. And so we hang up. And this is when I knew it was legit, because he was like, he calls back. He's like, yo, I don't even know you guys' real telephone numbers. Like, right. I mean, your real names. names. I don't know. I don't know you guys. So we give him. And literally... A week later, we had a plane ticket to come out to L.A. We met MJ. He wanted, he rented out a studio to make sure I was the one actually making the beats. Mm -hmm. And then that was like in December of 2002. And then in January 2003, he had a proposition for me and you know sees to move out to LA so I can become like a staff writer and producer for his for his label nice and then it was it you know things just started happening yeah. you know and it was like yo I was like 19 at the time and somebody says they want to pay me three grand a month to just make beats yeah as like crazy what else do you do yeah like you have to you do, do that of course yeah so that was the the start of it all Man, what a crazy story. Yeah. I mean, even like the randomness of your boy meeting this guy, but also like, you know, I think, I'm sure you were looking at it sideways. Of course. Like, you might have been like, don't call this guy back, you know? Like. Hey, yeah, because it's the chat room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Chat. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, who knows? <laughs> who knows, you know? Yeah. But. Yeah, no, to, to this day, and then... Has that, have you always been, like, kind of open like that? Yeah, man, I, you know, when I was younger, um, my grandmother always used to just say to me that, yo, God is everywhere, so mm -hmm. you just have to, as long as you just keep an open mind, mm -hmm. like, you'll be exactly where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And so, you know, I try to allow things to flow, um, but being very aware and make sure I don't sure. get into situations that, that you know, could be um, hurtful to me. But at the same time, I just really believe that you know, sometimes if you, if you allow the flow to happen, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. As long as you are super diligent and work hard and, and um, are committed to whatever it is, things will happen. Yeah. Like in, in high school, in my yearbook, I didn't realize it then, what I was saying, but in high school I put that I wanted to be an A&R of a record company. I wanted to um, have my own production, uh, like my own record label, yeah. and to uh, have a wife and two kids, yeah. and a Range Rover. I don't know why the Range Rover specifically, but... <laughs> and a lot of those things started happening it yeah. took a while for them to happen sure. but a lot of those things are starting to manifest themselves like um in 2013 i found an artist developed them and got them signed to a label and i didn't i didn't you know you don't really know that you're doing certain things because you they don't you don't know what the title is to it mm -hmm. but i had been doing that since I was in middle school, taking my friends' tapes and and yeah. and telling them, hey, I'm gonna play it on on the morning news, and you should now do this and do that, you know. So I was developing artists. I just didn't know that I was doing it at the time, and 
and fast forward to to kind of be in a situation where people are always asking me for advice or mm -hmm. you know bringing records to me it's like hey the record is at like 80 percent we needed to get it to you know can you finish the song and and just being involved with the process and understanding um you know the perspective of the creative but also understanding and knowing like yo at the end of the day there's 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 a you know there's a business investment or a business interest into this and right. so you want to make sure that both parties are happy because you know for for a long time when you're a creative all you see is the creative side is like man they don't like my song or they want me to change the hook but the hook sure. is the best part of the song and blah 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 and then the commerce side is like hey bro listen none of that matters if it's not making anybody any money right and like understanding that there's a there's a there's a uh, a great meeting place where commerce and and creativity can coexist once you find that sweet spot you start to you start to allow like really amazing things to happen right and just knowing that regardless of where i'm at never to allow one thing to completely like um overshadow the other side yeah. of it and so that's given me the opportunity to really take a look at artists and say like okay i hear your concerns i understand your concerns um this is how this is how we execute that and and me being able to communicate the concerns of like the business world mm -hmm. because if i'm in with an artist there are two things that's that's that that two there are two objectives one a label says, hey, Sham, we want to put you in a studio because we want you to make a song that we can sell, right? That's the, that's the sure. label's objective. Yeah. The creative objective is like, artist comes in like, hey, I'm in with this guy that I never met before. Right. You know, he could be good, he could not be good, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I have the opportunity to say something that matters to me, right? right? And so understanding and, and and knowing how to communicate their um you know their concerns is just as important as making sure that i can communicate to the artist and say like okay yo let's restructure this hook let's let's take this out let's take this out without infringing on their ability to be creative mm -hmm. so i approach mm -hmm. it i try to approach the recording process or the creative process like a like a learning like a teaching opportunity because i do feel that how music is is um how we consume music has has greatly greatly impacted how people make it and there are all of these steps yeah it's interesting that um that a lot of these kids they miss just because not because they don't want to know it's because the pace at which people make music don't give anyone the opportunity to have like oh that's how you do that right oh this yeah, is how you do this you of know course. so it's so interesting you say that too because um we were talking, you were talking earlier about you feel like we're, we're, I forget how you said it, but you feel like we're not meant to be alone. Correct, yeah. And and yet, the way we consume music now, I just think about like now everybody's in their headphones. And when I was a kid, everybody had boom boxes. Exactly. Right? And it's just, I mean, that's just such a fundamental difference that you, you pull up at the park or the party or your friend's house or wherever and everybody's listening together yep 
and now you know kids are on the bus and everyone has their own music yeah and it's so funny i make music like i just remember having to catch the bus to school and i remember like the people who used to pull up in their cars uh -huh. um, you know you would Bumping. hear yeah playing music yeah. and so i always felt like because you never know what part of the song is going to catch someone's interest right I always look for the, um, like, the phrasing. I feel like every part of the song should have something in there that if I don't get a chance to hear it again because I hopped on the bus or if the music's too low, mm -hmm. if I'm at the bus stop, if you have certain elements in there, the next time I hear it, I'll remember it. And so that, what you're speaking of, greatly impacts how I hear and look at music and how I see music. So is there a, because uh, I mean, I've listened to a lot of your stuff and like you seem to have a lot of, even though you say you don't do dance music, but I, I've heard elements of that yeah. even like, and I think there's a lot of breadth. Yeah. <clears throat> is there a overall, is there a theme or a, like, is there a way that you would describe your sound? Man, I've, so many people have kind of like, that's the yes and no. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a house where it's like, I grew up in a house where the whole world is, is was a musical influence for me. Yeah. Right? So there's rap music, but then there's also Zouk and Compa and Salsa and, and, and Julio Iglesias, like the police, like growing up, my dad used to like, just there's so much music yeah. that I was consuming and what ended up happening was um, it I kind of look at music from a world perspective mm -hmm. and so because of that my interests my musical interests hasn't um, created a very defined singular mm -hmm. you know um, element you know, and, and so wait for anybody that doesn't know, including me, put put me up on a, a, a compa record or so. So a, a a big Zouk song would be a record um, named um, Zouk Las Cecil Medicament. It's from this group Kasav. Okay. The, right, and it's like it's literally if you go to a West Indian party and you play this song. Uh -huh. It's the yeah, life yeah, of the party. Okay. It doesn't matter at what point, if you want to shut it down, you play that. Okay. And you could play that song a hundred times <laughs> and it'll, people never get tired of it, right? That's great. It's a group ca called Kasab. A lot of it is like, it's like Afro, it's like, a lot of it is just like Afro-rhythmic based, yeah, sure. you know? Um, and with with the the musical instrument, uh, the instrumentation, a lot of it is guitars. Mm -hmm. um, and so like these, these counter rhythms are happening at all oh. different times of the songs. Yeah. And so a lot of the music that I make, there are counter melodies mm -hmm. um, that are happening. Mm -hmm. And when they when they meet 
there's just this, there's just this, just this really like world kind of moment that happens at that time. Yeah. You know, and so I've had friends that, you know, I've started putting out music on my own and I've had friends say like, yo man, the music, there's such a, the spectrum is just so broad. Do you find that it hurts you? And I told him, yeah, because I feel like, you know, in music, trends tend to dictate sure. the pulse of music. And I've always, because I don't have one singular thing that I do, like these instruments all the time or this rhythm all the time, there's this kind of like gray that happens. Yeah, but at the oh, same gosh. time, I mean, I get it. I, I get that. And, but at the same time, when you have the one thing that you do, it's usually over pretty quickly. Yeah, um, yeah, it's true. Right, and I think, you know, the, the great artists that, you know, you mentioned Stevie Wonder, the artists that last decades, or the producers that work for decades, they always change their style. Right. Because you can't, you know, you can't make a record in 2018 the way you did in 1990. Exactly, 100%. 100%. I, I think it's, for me, I've just always been um, the kind of person to, like, reverse engineer things. Mm. Um, when I when I listen to music, I try to research and find out how they did it. So at one point, I was trying to figure out how um, the Wu-Tang albums were were made. I was like, it just, I just thought that RZA mastered the art of like the two and four bar loop. Yeah. Like he was the original splice guy. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so I went and got an ASR because I was like, yo, the technology affected the way he made music. Definitely. And so I started to understand that he only had, um, I think, like two megabytes of sample memory right. time. Yeah. So when he went looking for the magic part in a song, it had to be the magic part. He had to listen to all three minutes and 44 seconds of this record mm -hmm. in order to get that two bar moment and then chop it up and loop it over eight bars or 16 bars, sure. right? And so... And even the fidelity, right? Like yeah. Those, he's a, you know, it's a lo-fi... Exactly. ...production style. Exactly. And yeah, so... It's, it's funny, and it's not that you couldn't do that today, but you won't. Because the technology is too right. easy. It's, yeah. it's so, it's, I mean, it just really, music is made in a way for consumption to happen at like high volumes. Yeah. I mean, you just think about, you know, before um, we used to think Master P dropping an album every week was crazy, uh -huh. but literally yeah, now you, now you can make a now song. He's slow. That's, that's too slow. <laughs> like, like one week, every one song every week is you know, the consumption and the appetite for yeah. just content is just, it just reached so high. But what, what I found was, um, you know, for a couple years, I kind of struggled with the idea of saying like, yo, man, I don't have a signature sound. This is hurting me. This is like, how do you mm -hmm. compete with all of the producers who have a signature thing? Mm -hmm. They have that one instrument. They have the, the, the bass line. The arrangement is the same. Yeah, 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 yeah
clear, we do not care. If you had your mama, how would have a shoot out there? Hey, ain't gonna be no plan with the crew out there. But, you know, uh, what a lot of people, um, where a lot of people would have been like super, I mean, I was frustrated. I can't front act like I wasn't frustrated. Sure. But I felt like the time where a multifaceted producer would um, be needed again. And, you know, I, I've done records where I've arranged like, you know, four piece horn and I don't have mm. any classical training, but I just under because of all of these musical yeah. influences, I understand how to arrange songs and arrange music. And, you know, when a, when a mix yeah. isn't the right way, I can tell you like, hey, um, too, there's too much 2K here, sweep that. I've had engineer friends and they're just, I can tell them like this one engineer, I was like, yo, um, something's changed. Your your room sounds cold. He's like, why do you say that? Because your mix is cold. It's too it's too brittle here. Mm. And he was like, man, I haven't put up. I just moved to a new studio, and the, we don't have any panels in the windows. And so his his mixes started to reflect the new environment that he was in. Crazy, you know. So for me, I feel like there's gonna come a time where all of my skill sets and interests and abilities um, will will have the opportunity to be um, exploited and, and, and I'd be able to, to basically assist and help people in helping achieve what it is that they're trying to, that they're trying to accomplish. Amazing. Hey, if you're loving this one, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives, check out my interview with Watch the Duck. Uh, really interesting duo bringing soul music and EDM together, uh, doing really fascinating stuff. I think you'll like that one. Check it out. Really, our music was always weird. Hmm. From the first beats he used to play me before I ever started making beats. They had like 30 changes in them and stuff. You know, it was no loop. You know, yeah. it was always like that. It's just that the, the more we did it, the more we refined the sound and the more we learned where the influences were coming from, the more we could be like, yeah, I think this is what we're doing. Yeah. So um, it just kind of, you know, it started coming together. The more we traveled, the more we understood what we were trying to express. Man, I love that word weird because, you know, Prince is weird. Very. The people you're talking about, you know, Pharrell is weird in his time, right? You know, black kids weren't skateboarding, not publicly. Yeah. Right? Yeah, nah. Uh, and Oway and Trump. So you're talking about your personality. <clears throat> and a little bit of uh, some of the inner struggles. Is there is there one aspect of your personality that holds you back? Overthinking. That kills me. That is the that is the bane of my. Is it like it really is the it's overthinking. I think um, what I love about a lot of the kids today. Well. One of the things that I think is it makes a lot of these kids so bold, right, is the fact that they're just quite, they're impulsive. You know, I think um, yeah. in certain areas that could be a bad thing. Sure. But when we're talking about seizing the moment and seizing the opportunity, I'm too much in my head. You know, I, you know, that's where the reverse engineering way of looking at things hurts yeah. me. You know, um, I have started to get to a space where 
I'm not thinking about it. That's why, you know, now I'm, I'm, I, I do feel a lot more, um, I'm having a lot more fun with music again mm. because it's not so cerebral anymore. I think when you're starting out and someone tells you like, hey, we just want you to make beats, everything is cool. And the moment, you know, you're Grammy nominated and A&Rs are putting you in this really big studio and there's this expectation that happens. Yeah. And, um, and I think the moment you start allowing um, the, the creative part to take a back seat to the expectations, mm -hmm. that's when everything starts to get messed up, yeah. you know? And so for me, overthinking has always been something that, uh, that I struggled with, um, but I'm starting to get better at it. Just looking at my son, he doesn't, everything is just, just, you know, it's just instinctive for him. Like, hey, I'm gonna do this because, because I wanna do it, uh -huh. you know? And so he's taught me a lot about just, just doing it. Like, yo, just do it. And I feel like now we're, we're in a time where the people who um, do more get the opportunity to develop skills or develop identities or just, or just, just you know, go through a, a, a period of development. Sure. You know, before we had like time where it's like, oh, you know, you work on this for this time and work on this for this time. But now in anything, in, in sports, like if you don't come out and if you're not like rookie of the year, they're yeah. drafting somebody at the same position the next year, yeah. you know? And so, you know, um, socially, I feel like the appetite for more faster um, yeah. causes people to, to kind of like have to, you have to be able to just like, hey, do you want to do X, Y, Z? Do it, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm learning to say, um, okay, learn how to take in, gather information, process it, and then be able to arrive at a decision and you move on the decision, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of like... That's big. Yeah. Um, so I know you're, I know you're busy as a producer. Um, you talk, you know, you were telling me earlier about uh, starting to develop artists. Yeah. I know you're doing your own project is there a is there a big goal that you're shooting for yeah yeah the goals okay <laughs> um for me getting to a point where i can be like responsible for helping the visions and ideas of artists and, and creative people develop mm -hmm. ideas is the, that's like the head of the, you know, titles are so like, you don't know what those titles, sure. are titles for everything. Sure. Um, before, you know, I used to think that if you're a record producer, you're not an A&R. If you're an A&R, then you're, you can't become like a chairman. But right. I'm starting to understand like, um, you know, the titles don't define how you operate within those environments, you know? Absolutely. So, um, right now, the goal is to, for me, is to find and develop three to five artists um, and help them 
improve on their situations mm -hmm. and then be able to to have have that be kind of like my resume of what I know how to do um, but I guess the end goal if like there's a title is to at some point be uh, you know the head of development A&R for a record company that's mm -hmm. the end game whether it be for myself or if it's for consulting or it's in, in whatever capacity I do feel like we're in a space now where um, technology can't be excluded from the music conversation sure and I do feel like we're moving to a space <laughs> where um, companies that didn't start out in the music space are going to be looking for people who know how to communicate um, you know music um, f to the business and corporate people but then also um, be able to make artists and, and create people feel comfortable about the marriage and the union that's happening, right. you know, and so yeah um, Yeah, the if I was to say like that's the that's the that's the end game That's the end game just build create a, a house or an environment where whether you um, paint or if you're a songwriter or producer or just an artist or whatever it is I feel like Creating the environment where people who have great ideas mm -hmm. can be in a space where they can help cultivate and develop those ideas. That's what I want to be a part of, nice. whether, whether it's music or, or whatever the expression is. Yeah. That's the end game. Nice. So who are some of the artists you're working with now that we should be paying attention to? So right now there's this kid I just met on Instagram. His name is uh, Love Man Sui. And um, he's he's like really really dope and then um who else there's a couple of other people that i found out who are signed that i didn't get a chance to be oh, a part okay. of yeah. yeah but there's this kid cautious clay that i think is just amazing but if we just smoke am I and then there's this girl that I just met through well I haven't met her yet but um, this songwriter John he just brought me to a, brought her attention to me her name is Sydney um, I forget her last name but um, there's like some really cool ideas that I think we're gonna be able to do together mm -hmm. and what else skips my mind um, that's just what I can recall right now those are the two that I'm super excited about it. and I'm working on like um, putting out a French project which okay. is, I don't want to call it a project just you know some met a couple like French artists mm. and um, I have some music that I feel like would be dope and we're just gonna put them out together yeah that's pretty much it though and then and then I know you're working on your own stuff yeah so how is that how do you do you approach that differently? I'm learning. I'm learning that you you have to approach it from a. It just it's just pure expression. Mm. Like I have one song that I did a, uh, two years ago with this Australian artist named Ben Abraham, and it's like a seven minute song, 
but they're just different music points and uh -huh. expressions going. It's just a very, you know, free-flowing kind of nice. song. Yeah. And then, um, but some of the new stuff, I'm, you know, I'm, um, like, just, like, experimenting with, like, different electronic kind of progressive things. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. um, I'm a fan of, like, um, Brodinsky and, and, like, Elangelo is really dope. And, yeah. um, you know, Gershelfelstein and, like, all of these just super electronic and, like, you know, it's almost destructive things. And so just experimenting, you know, just, just like painting, essentially. That's what I call it, just painting. So there's no... Nice. It's given me the opportunity to... That's where, like, yo, just do it. Try it. it mm -hmm. There's no wrong mm -hmm. to it. You yeah. know, just, just make it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, those are, those are things. Sometimes so it's, it's hard, I think, to give ourselves permission. Man, I had to learn how to do that. Yeah. I, I just thought there was just... We all do box it's like nope yeah. you got to do it like this it needs to be like this but looking at my son like he doesn't even understand the idea of having to do things one specific way because he, he's he's trying to figure it out now. i mean it's so funny you say that and i know your son's four so it's yeah. it's um first of all it's such a great opportunity to be able to learn from a four-year-old right? absolutely uh but i always say that you know there's a there's a value to not knowing the rules Sometimes, right? Or to, to being, uh, you know, to being naive. Sometimes, I always say like, you know, if I'd known how hard it was gonna be, I never would've tried. It's true. That is 100% true. And so sometimes, yeah, just do it. And you figure, yeah, there's no wrong, how I look at everything as an opportunity to give to someone else anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not gonna say like, my story through the music business has been peachy, you know, they're just definitely some like, man, I'd never, that would never happen to me again. But sure. I take that and, and um, I use that as an opportunity to teach people that I might meet. Be like, hey, man, we're in 2018. You might want to do your deals like this. That's right. Hey, you know, don't, you don't have to focus on just that. You know, right. maybe try this, maybe try that. And so I just feel like with all the experience that I have within the world of music and, and business and how it works together and just life, like mm -hmm. just life things. Mm -hmm. Being able to share that with people has, um, you know, given me the opportunity to still be connected with new things and, and yeah. just have the opportunity just to influence it from the inside out, yeah. which was something that um, when I sat with Aton, he said, he was like, you know, a lot of, a lot of you know, record producers and songwriters, um, they, they never start thinking about being on the other side sure. of, 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 you know, the, the, you know the, the music business. And it's like, you know, if you're the kind of person who knows how to nurture people and d develop things and, and you're a great communicator, if you just stay on this side of, of the music business, you don't give it the opportunity to grow and you, it's right. hard for you to add value to it in just a different way. That's right. And once he said that, man, it just helped confirm mm a lot of the ideas and, and the uh, evolution that I was kind of, you know, it was, it was like, it was a struggle. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, man, like, no, I, I'm a record guy. Like I make songs, like I have to be in the studio. And it's like, yeah, or you could still help people make songs. Sure. And then 
help facilitate and give them the tools and resources to help do the same thing without you having to necessarily have to be in the studio. So yeah, and I think that just depends on what you, what you're in it for, right? Yeah. Like for some people, being in the studio is, is the, the thing. thing yeah. Right? So then you just do that. Yeah. Some people, you know, but if you want to have a bigger impact, yeah, you empower other people and help them and guide them and, you know, allow them to learn from your experiences. Exactly. Um, okay, I got to get to a uh, to a lightning round before they kick us out of here. Okay. Tell me one decision that changed your life forever. One decision that changed my life forever. Moving to California. Just... Stranger says he has a record company on Yahoo, and I get up and tell my mom, hey, I'm moving to L.A. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, complete this sentence. I don't have talent. I have blank. I have gift. So if I worked for you, if I was on your, your team, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Something that you... Um, how can I help you get mm. to what you want to do? How can I help? Yeah. You know, it's funny, a guy that I had on the show called me this week to tell me he hated the answer he gave to that question. <laughs> it was like two months ago. Not that it was bad, but he, he was like, like, it was true. He gave me a true answer, and right. he's like, oh, I hate that I say that. Anyway, but yours is good. <laughs> um, uh, who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? Man. That I'd be most excited as a fan? I'm going to be honest with you. It happened to me. Jerry Wonder. Mm. Jerry Wonder randomly calls me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and says, Hey, it's Jerry Wonder. And I hang up on him because I <laughs> didn't believe it was really Jerry Wonder. <laughs> But Jerry Wonder, okay. he was the, he was like, it was the Fugees, it was like, you know, I saw Wyclef on stage, I saw Lauren or Praz, but I seen this guy, like, who's the guy at the bass? Because growing up um, in, like, in Haitian bands and stuff, the bass player is the coolest guy. Is that right? Yeah, he's the coolest guy. He has, he's, he's the coolest. Yeah. And I was like, yo, who's the bass player? And then I started piecing it all together like Jerry Duplessis is the bass player mm. and Jerry Wonder calls me up at two o'clock in the morning it was like I like your music wow. I, no joke I cried that's so cool that was that was the for me that was the moment that yeah. I felt like whoa yeah things have really come full circle wow that's amazing yeah what's your favorite city to travel to favorite city to travel to Um, man, that's tough. Probably Paris. Mm. It's just, man, it's just... I love Paris. Yeah, it's... But you speak French. Yeah, I speak a little it's, French. It's better for yeah. you than for me. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love have, Paris. Yeah. Um, what is the last great book you read? The last great book that I read... Man, I've been reading a lot, so that's actually a hard one. Um, what are you reading now? Right now, I'm reading You're a Badass. I don't know that. Yeah. Um, before that, I was reading um, The Manifestation Manifesto. Oh, okay. That was a really good one. And then 
That sounds deep. Yeah, it's yeah. man. It just again, it's just like it's this idea of like, hey man, do things with good intentions. Yeah. Like, just wake up and have really good intentions, yeah. and everything that you that you um you know dream about go for them and it'll happen mm -hmm. like this it'll happen yeah that's good okay what movie do you think you've seen the most throughout uh, your life what movie that i've seen the most probably coming to america i love it <laughs> good morning my neighbors hey fuck you yes yes fuck you too that movie, I've watched it with my son. <laughs> now, it, 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 we, you're almost to that age. Yeah. We started, I think, around five. We do a movie night, mm -hmm. and I pick the movie. Cause so it's not gonna be like kids, but it'll be, you know, Something, appropriate. Something, yeah, appropriate. Um, but, but that movie is so deep. There's so many, like, so many levels layers. of yeah. that movie. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's, my parents are immigrants, so it was like, yeah. that, just so many different, just it just speaks to every point of of like the story of trying to make it and trying to get what you really want yeah in spite of how you look you know but it's also like a classic it's like a fairy tale story it is 100 percent prince and you know what i mean like but completely you wouldn't recognize that no 100%. I, in fact i didn't even realize that until you, right now just yeah. hearing you talk about it um, I, that's such a great movie um, and the barbershop is insane. yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, who's your favorite DJ? My favorite DJ. I don't. I don't have one. Well, I mean, they're all producers to me. Okay. I think Dr. Dre is. A, he was a DJ. Yeah. Like Swiss, Timbo, yeah. like they're DJs. So. Anybody you've seen live that was memorable? Um. Actually, um, you know what? Super Dupes from Black Chiny. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Growing up, growing up, Black Chiny, they're like, um, like, a, uh, like a, a dance hall sound, like they're a sound system. Mm. Okay. And um, you go to their parties when we were younger, and it's like for an hour and a half, you're just, you're just yeah. not stopping. And he DJed yeah. at my wedding. Oh, nice. And everyone was like, bro, your wedding was <laughs> legendary. You had Black China and he played the illest set. That's crazy. For the longest period of time. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that's, you know, those experiences are just so, so amazing. Yeah, those, those are the, that's what, Man, the, the memories and those experiences are the colors in life, man. Yeah. They just, right. yeah, you just, you just take them and regardless of where you're at in life, you can dial back and be like, man, yo, I remember when that happened. So you just try yeah. to absolutely give yourself the opportunity to have as many um, fun memories and cool memories um, to counter all of the memories that aren't that give us character i'll say <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way man thanks for doing this no, this is so much fun you. talking to appreciate you appreciate it man yeah same here yeah whenever if you're doing so come back anytime for absolutely sure. um and definitely when you want to promote stuff come through appreciate it
Yes, that was Sac Passe on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. Hit us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Everything is at Rebel Radio. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.